This is the More to the Story podcast with Dr. Andy Miller. We hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation. Hey friends, Merry Christmas. I'm so glad that you've come around for the More to the Story podcast. This has been a kind of a, a wild trip for me. The last six months as I've done this podcast on a weekly basis, and God used it uniquely in my life, and we've developed this audience that's come around this podcast, and obviously you're a part of that, and we're really glad to have you here. I'm thankful to have a few sponsors who've made this possible, and it's you know particularly meaningful as I think about like their interaction with me through the years. There's one anonymous donor who's been very generous, and we appreciate that person's support of this podcast. And today, also, we're highlighting um, WPO Development and their CEO, Keith Waters, and one of, some of his team have done just a great job helping people all over the country develop capital campaigns, mission planning studies, and the like. So if you can check them out at WPO Development, you can just Google them, or you can see keith.waters at wpodevelopment.com. So this is a special Christmas edition of the More to the Story podcast. And likely this is happening at a place where the students at Wesley Biblical Seminary and students all over the country have finished their classes. Hopefully all the professors have entered their grades by this point. Salvation Army still has a few kettles left. There's still Christmas Eve service, maybe Christmas Day services that are happening. But as you're listening to this, I just wanted to take you into a scene that maybe isn't normally talked about as we think about the Advent season. And I'm going to be going to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. So if you're in a place where you can open up your Bible, that might be a good thing to do as we talk through this. Now, I want to go back a little bit to a point in my life where I was completely out of control. Actually, it was just a few months ago. I was at an ice skating rink, the only, I believe, the only ice skating rink in the state of Alabama, in Montgomery, Alabama, I was with my brother and soon-to-be sister-in-law, and my family was at the, uh, the Montgomery, Alabama Mall. And while we were there on the ice skating rink, my boys and I decided it'd be a great time for us to race. So we put ourselves in that position. And just imagine, this is Christmas season. My family and I, we like the Amy Grant kind of old 1980s Christmas music. Think of that synthesized bass. Dunk, 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 dunk. There we are, ready to go. Three, two, one, and we're off to the races. And I am beating. Now, I grew up, I actually had ponds in my neighborhood where I grew up, or I could actually skate. So I have a clear advantage on my southern children. And so we're off to race, and I'm ahead of them. But all of a sudden, I realized that normally on an ice skating rink, you go around in a circle, but we had identified the ending point, the finish line of the race at the other end. And as I'm getting it, I realized I don't know how I'm going to stop. And neither do the boys. So we are going, and I see the finish line coming. I'm going to win. But in order to make, make this happen, I just had to slide on the ground so I wouldn't crash in the boards. Meanwhile, my son Titus, my 12-year-old son, passes me and wins the race. But like an NHL hockey player, slams up against the boards, and we're all lying on the ice because we got to a place where we were skating so fast. Well, I don't know if it was that fast. Fast enough that we were out of control. And this is what happened to us in that moment. We got to that place because we didn't realize where we were. Now, I imagine on that first Christmas that we celebrate, we see all around us, there's a way that this unexpected pregnancy, this census that caused Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus in utero to travel 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, to the place where there was no room in the inn, to all the challenges they experienced with the delivery of Jesus, things might have felt out of control. Now, I want to go to another situation in the Old Testament where we see 
and out-of-control situation. That comes when Jeremiah is captive. Jeremiah, in chapter 32, is imprisoned in the palace. And King Zedekiah has him there. King Zedekiah is frustrated because of all of the ways he has taken God's word and spoken it clearly, but that's led to his imprisonment. And what has happened is the city is under siege. If you look just with me, if you're able to open your Bibles to 32 verse 2, it says, At that time, the army of the king of Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined to the courtyard. Later in Jeremiah's prayer, we see not only are they just besieging them, but it says siege ramps are being built up to take the city. Sword, famine, plague are coming because of Israel's disobedience, and they are being given into the hands of the enemy. That's verse 24. Siege ramps. I mean, in my mind, I kind of see things like Lord of the Rings kind of coming on here. I mean, just fireballs. All sorts of things are coming at the city. It is being desolated. They know it's coming. And Zedekiah is just hoping that God will come through like he did in other times, even though Jeremiah has been warning about this. And this is the kind of scene that Jeremiah has lived with his entire ministry. He has spoken these clear words saying, look, you're out of control. This is not going to end well. He said to multiple kings, false religious leaders, to the people of Judah themselves, they are headed towards this disaster. Jeremiah was trying to clue them into the fact that they were in a mess, but they refused to see even when the city was falling in front of them. Now, during this time, as Jeremiah is confined to the palace, this is when something strange happened. And I mean really strange happened. This is when God comes to him and says, here's what I want you to do, Jeremiah. Your nephew's going to come to you, or maybe it's cousin, depends on the translation. He's going to ask you to buy a field. And I want you to buy that field. And go through all the necessary legal mechanisms. Have somebody who makes sure to second that, put it in the right document so you have it all together. Now, this is what's interesting to me, is that while we know of the trust that Jeremiah has, the way Jeremiah responds issues kind of his own bewilderment. So if you look in verse 17, it has Jeremiah saying this, Ah, sovereign Lord, or Ah, Lord God. Now, I have to admit, like I had to check this out in Hebrew to figure out what was going on in this passage. because It's not an expression that you would normally see, but Dr. Terence Fretham and other scholars have suggested that this, and, and, and Fretham was one who taught at Luther Seminary for, for decades, he says this is an expression of uncertainty or puzzlement. It's an expression of uncertainty or puzzlement. It's like Jeremiah is saying, um, Lord, <laughs> I know you can do anything, and I know you want to use me, but you do realize that you're asking me to buy a field when this field will be occupied by the enemy any minute. Are you sure you want me to buy a field? Jeremiah, in this moment, even questions God. Like, what are we doing? Why would you call me to do this? And if you look at Jeremiah's prayer, he goes through, okay, I know you can do all things. You created the world out of nothing. You delivered us from the hands of the Egyptians. But you want me to buy a field? Buy a field when we're under siege? The siege ramps are built? It might seem like, that's a bit of where our society is, our world is. The siege ramps seem to be built against us. You think about even just this past week when I'm recording this, there's, and just I've heard it this morning, reports of 
the challenges with Russia confronting Ukraine, the G7 trying to respond to that, the challenges of China trying to take over Taiwan, Iran developing a nuclear missile, much less the challenges that our society expresses. My wife sent me kind of a sad text where she and the kids went to a li the, our local library and they went to a new book rack and half of the new books were promoting the normalization of homosexuality for children. The challenges that we face in our society with the moral collapse that seems to be around us where individual desires are exalted to the place that religious freedom doesn't have a voice. I mean, these are significant moments, much less the challenges that we experience because of COVID-19 and the way the church is expressing its own mission. This seems to be a challenging time. It's like the siege ramps are positioned against the church and maybe even against what we see as the moral fabric and the moral direction of our society. And personally, you might feel that way too in your very own life. Maybe as you're here in this podcast, you're experiencing loneliness this holiday season. Maybe you've lost a loved one who's not going to be there on Christmas Day and they were last year. It might be that your family has changed, your marriage has changed, you're confronted with challenges at work and school, you've given in to temptation and you sense the consequences of that. Maybe you're at a place where you just even question whether or not God is real. You have your doubts and I want to encourage you, even in the midst of your doubts, to know that God can speak to you. We might look at our lives and our context and be like Jeremiah and say, uh, Lord, buy a field? And it might be that the people who are around that first Christmas said the same thing. Uh, Lord, the Messiah is coming. A baby? Really? In the middle of this meltdown, it's a Jeremiah is in the middle of a true social meltdown, political meltdown, spiritual meltdown. It's God in that moment does something unexpected, and he asks for the unexpected, the illogical. He says to Jeremiah, buy a field. And he says to the people of the first century, here's a baby who is going to come to save the world. And one of the most powerful moments, I think, in this passage in Jeremiah 32 comes with the short little word that comes in verse 15. F-O-R. Those of you who've worked in inductive Bible study know this represents the structural relationship of substantiation, effect, and then cause. So there is this effect that needs to be in place, but the cause leads us in a different direction. So this is what he says. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, houses, fields, and vineyards will again be bought in this land. Houses, fields, vineyards will again be bought in this land. This is why I want you to buy this field. Jeremiah, you're not even going to live into it. You're going to be in captivity. There's going to be captivity for 70 years. You're not going to experience it. For something is coming. I want you to buy this land as a sign of what I'm going to do. Jeremiah was asked to buy a field when buying fields seemed like the last thing in the world he should do. Jeremiah was asked to act irrationally. 
God was saying, I have a plan for my people. And this is kind of like the context of where we get the famous Jeremiah 29, 11, like a similar idea. Often we miss the fact that that verse is talking about the fact that they're going to have to be taken into captivity first, right? There's 70 years of captivity that's coming. The siege ramps are set. The society is crumbling. Yet, for I have a plan. For fields will be bought here again. Even though Jeremiah questioned God, he looked at the mess and bought the land. Even though Jeremiah looked at the mess, he acted in hope. Even though Jeremiah looked at the mess, he acted in faith. And I'm telling you that God in the person of Jesus Christ looked at the mess of our world and acted. He acted by sending Jesus so that the word was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. And the light shines in the darkness through the person of Jesus Christ, the eternal second person of the Trinity, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. It's in this time that we see what's going on, that we see God has a plan beyond what we can see. And maybe in this Christmas season, this Advent season, we need to be reminded of that. The parallels in this story are interesting to me. So Jeremiah is asked to buy real land with real dirt in a real city. The eternal second person of the Trinity, the eternal word, comes to real people in a real town with real dirt in a real manger to offer real redemption. Too often, I think, in the church, and in my tradition, this would be the case, like, maybe it's just the way I interpreted it, but Advent was the countdown to Christmas. And we talked a lot about Jesus' coming, but the reality of Advent, and kind of historically, how we look at it, it is the start of the Christian year. It's the way we recalibrate ourselves, not just the fact that Jesus came, but that he is coming again. The, the point is that we refocus ourselves, is just as he came once, he is coming again. And just as Jeremiah was asked to do something crazy and seemingly illogical, we are asked to do something crazy and illogical. And here's what we're asked to believe. We're asked to believe that Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming again. Now, it's interesting to me, too, through this story, that Jeremiah is one who doesn't get to see what, the, what happens with his land. It's not like he's going like, to set up his retirement home there after 70 years of captivity. No, he's not going to see it. And it might be that we're part of the generation that uh, we're, we might not be the generation that sees Jesus' second coming. But we're still asked to buy some land as a sign. And that's what Jeremiah did. He bought this land as a sign of what was coming. And the shepherds were asked to go see a sign. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in a manger. Their redemption for the shepherds, had come in the person of Jesus. But get this, it was still coming, just like it is for us, right? We still had, we, we acknowledge Jesus' pre-existence. We acknowledge his life, his ministry, his substitutionary death, his defeat over the realm of the dead, his resurrection, his ascension, and his enthronement at the right hand of the Father. But you know, there's a way that we're still like Jeremiah. We haven't seen the conclusion of redemption. There's still more to come. This is why the Advent season is something that points us to the reality and promise of Jesus' second coming. We reorder our lives to that fact because God sees something in our world that we can't see. 
In our last appointment in the Salvation Army, we um, were in a place where we had a car that had been handed down through, I would say, generations almost of Salvation Army officers. We were the sixth owner of the Salvation Army car, and it had given out on me several times. Actually, three times in two weeks. And the third time came at a very inopportune time. After Abby and I had gone on a date down to Symphony Hall, we had set up to have a dinner after. It was an afternoon concert, and then we were going to dinner. We were dressed up. And as we were driving back on the busy Gun Highway, those of you in Tampa know that road, the car broke down, and it was dead. Like Charles Dickens says, it's dead as a doornail. I mean, it, there was nothing happening to that car. Nothing, there, nothing could be done to jump it. I had to call a tow truck. This was a Saturday and waited about an hour. Abby took an Uber while I t took care of this problem. The car was towed to Pet Boys. And on Monday morning, I came in. I had already set it up. Like, we're going to trade this lemon of a car in and finally get something that could be reliable for us. So I got to Pet Boys, and they gave me a hard hat. I had to go in and take a picture of the car so I could trade it in. And when I got there, something interesting happened. They, they called the mechanic off the car, and the mechanic came to me when he realized it was my car. And he said, this is a great car. I'm telling you, you cannot sell this car. He started to give me this like multiple points of how great this car was. I'm like, you are crazy. There's no way I'm going to, I'm selling this car. It's broken down on me three times. So I had to take a picture of it and I realized that the front bumper was hanging off. And so I wanted to put that up so it looked a little bit better. And unfortunately it wasn't moving as I was pushing it. So I had to kick it. And as I kicked it, this mechanic came and he pulled me off, much bigger man than me, pulled me off and pushed me to the side. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. And he came down and I'm telling you the truth, he started petting the car. And he said, there, 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 you're a good car, you're a good car. And then he looked back at me with this funny look and he says, daddy loves you, he just doesn't know how to show it. I mean, this guy was petting my car, and then he tried to convince me again of why I shouldn't sell the car. It was the craziest thing. No, I did sell the car, I have to say. But there was this interesting moment that comes. It's like, that guy, that guy could see something in my car that I couldn't see. He could see something in this lemon of a car that I couldn't see. I want you to know, God sees something in you that you might not be able to see. And he sees something in me and all of my mess that I might not be able to see. And I'm telling you, he sees something in our world that we might not be able to see. In the promise in the, the, of the resurrection, Jesus is, the resurrection of the body and Jesus' return, is that he sees something in our physical real world and he's going to return and redeem the entire thing. Heaven isn't just some place that's like some ethereal reality out next to Venus or something. It is a renewed planet on a renewed earth. That's the promise of this season. Jesus is saying, I'm coming back. <laughs> and we greet him. Yay, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning. God looks at us and he sees something that we can be, something our world can be, even in the midst of its mess. So three quick things I think we can take away from this. First, do you need to buy some land? Now, maybe you really do need to buy some land. But what I mean by that is you need to claim what God is going to do. Claim Jesus and the power of his second coming. Claim the real physical reality that our world is going to experience. We need to claim some real dirt, <laughs> like claim some land today. Why? You know, these are the type of things that are proclaimed so well 
in the Advent music that we have, even in Handel's Messiah. And he shall reign forever and ever. Thanks for putting up with my singing. Right? Hallelujah, hallelujah, King of kings and Lord of lords. When we sing these songs, we're celebrating the fact that God's asking us to buy land, to invest in this world, anticipating what he wants to do. The second thing is this. Sing these Advent songs and look at the second, third, and fourth, and fifth verses. You'll see that they highlight this theme of Jesus' second coming. Like when we sing these songs, we'll see something that reminds us, that recalibrates us this time of year. Then our eyes at last shall see him through his own redeeming blood. Joy to the world. The whole, the whole hymn is my favorite hymn, by the way. All year, not just during the Advent season. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. That's talking about Jesus' return when he's going to put everything right that is wrong in our world. Lo, he comes on clouds descending, once for favored sinners slain. Alleluia. God appears on earth to reign. Not just talking about Jesus' first reign, but his second, his second coming. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. And then the third thing I'll mention is if Jesus is coming to a real earth, and if Jeremiah was asked to buy some real land, maybe we need to make sure to emphasize the real things of our society, not to exist in the, the meta world, the Instagram world, maybe more, you got the, this link via Facebook. Let's take this season in this time we have, to invest in the things that are real and be like Jesus in that way. This is God's way of saying, I'm coming back. He said that to Jeremiah. I'm not leaving you to a place where even though the siege ramps are set, I'm leading you to a place because there is a new day coming and I want you to embrace it. Jesus' first coming is his way of saying, I'm coming back. Are you ready for him? Merry Christmas, friends. Thanks so much for joining me on the More Into the Story podcast. God bless you.